Hello and welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet. And here we are. The weather is just gorgeous. I love this time of year. May. I'm thinking May is my favorite month. I don't know, because it's getting warm enough to like actually jump in the ocean if you don't mind ice cold ocean water. But I mean, you know, you have days you're running around in shorts and yet it's not crazy hot. You're not like cranking up the air conditioner yet. Maybe you haven't even turned on your air conditioner yet. Maybe you're like me and you have the windows open day in, day in, and day in, day out, just letting the breeze come in. And I've started feeding my birdies. Shall I back up there? Okay. It started with some years ago. I had the bright idea because I saw that there was a red cardinal floating around, flying around, to put a few little seeds out and see what happened. And it took me a while to coax him, but eventually I started feeding this gorgeous red cardinal from my windowsill, and I named him Fred. And after a while, he brought over his wife, Ethel. And unless, of course, they're in Florida, in which case Ethel was actually a cardinal in drag, which means that Ethel will soon be arrested by Governor DeSantis for being in drag, because, you know, why on earth should human beings just be allowed to do whatever the hell they want to do when you have this one guy who wants to ruin the party for everybody? But I digress. Although I am dying to march around Florida with a T-shirt that says gay, 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 gay all over the shirt. Although I'll probably get arrested, but it'd be kind of a fun way to go. But I digress. So Fred's wife, Ethel, and my, may very well have been his boyfriend and drag, Ethel. She also started showing up and I was feeding Fred and Ethel and it was great. Went on like that for like a year. Then I went away on vacation and I guess they thought I abandoned them and then they didn't come back. And after a while, they finally came back, and then I went away again, and they said, forget about it. Screw me once, shame on me, screw me, screw me, how does it go? Twice, shame on you, shame on me. I don't know how the hell that goes, but you know what I mean. Two times, forget it. Anyway, Fred and Ethel never came back, and I've been very sad. But this year, I heard the cardinal sound that makes... That I guess all cardinals make, but I associate that with Fred. Kind of a bee, 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 bee sort of a sound. And you know what? It wasn't Fred or Ethel. It was a whole new cardinal, and I named her Franny. So I've decided that Franny is the daughter of Fred and Ethel. And after a while, Freddie Jr. came by too. But Freddie Jr. was really a chicken, totally scared. Not a cardinal at all, a totally chicken. And so he just kind of flies in and flies out real fast. But not Franny. Franny is tough. She's a feminist. She's fierce. She's not afraid of anything. She's very loud. And she gets very bitchy when there's no seeds waiting for her. So now Franny's been coming by almost every day. She wakes me up in the morning, be, 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 complaining if her seeds aren't there. And I love her. Freddie Jr., he's a little scared of me, and I haven't warmed up to him yet because I want to see him, you know, get some cojones, stick around a little longer. But I do love having nature on my windowsill in the middle of the Lower East Side in New York City. It's exciting. So between the gorgeous weather 
and Franny and Freddie Jr. Things are looking up. You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? So, I've been catering a lot. It's probably because it's spring and everyone's getting married in the spring, of course, you know. But it's been interesting, lots of challenges. And what I've been thinking about is that I think, you know, when I first get into the business, if someone had an allergy, if they said, well, I'm allergic to dairy or I'm allergic to corn or soy or something like that, well, you know, they were totally out of luck at a large catered event. I mean, people just didn't seem to care so much back then. So the answer was just like, did you bring your Epi, EpiPen with you? Or, you know, just shut up, go home, bring in your own food. I heard that so much when I started catering that people would say, oh, I have someone coming who's lactose intolerant and this and that. And the caterer would just say, bring in their own food. You know, I'm not going to deal with this feeding 5,000 people. I got this one Fikaka person to deal with. But for me, I guess because I grew up with this Chazarai, my mother was diabetic, so she couldn't have sugar. My father had high blood pressure. He couldn't have salt. And we were kosher, so we couldn't eat pork or shellfish. And my mother was always looking at the ingredients and things. Is there lard in it? Like we were pigging out on Nabisco cookies like crazy in the 70s. And then somehow my mother found out or someone found out, I don't know, it was in the news, I'm sure, that the Nabisco cookies had lard in them. Oh, forget about it. Forget about it. And my mother had all these coupons for these free things at McDonald's. And we would go to McDonald's and pig out on French fries because my mother inspected the whole thing that the oil they were fried in was completely vegetarian vegetable oil. So knock yourself out, kids. We'd get French fries all the time. Some years later, there was this big lawsuit because it turned out that, yes, they were fried in vegetable oil, but the fries themselves were coated in beef fat. So I think it was someone from India who started the lawsuit because they don't eat, or at least this family did not eat beef, the holy cow. And he discovered that he was eating fries covered in beef fat. So, but I digress. So my point is I'm used to food issues. So I tend to be kinder than anyone else I know about this subject. But once in a while, it's really challenging. We had a wedding for two lovely young women a few years ago, and they loved Mexican food. Love, 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 so do I. And they wanted all Mexican food at their wedding. The problem was that one of the brides was allergic to cilantro. She had that cilantro thing, which I used to think was just a, a mental illness, but it turns out that like 5% of the population or something like that has a thing where cilantro processes like soap in their mouth. If they eat something with cilantro in it, it's like they just ate a bar of ivory soap. So she couldn't have any cilantro. And she was allergic to raw onions. So no raw onions, no cilantro, but she wanted a Mexican wedding. So that was a good challenge, let me tell you. She could have cooked onions, though. So we did charred onion salsa. We did chive chimichurri. You know, there was a way around it, and we did it. So maybe the word got out about me, but like, I, I swear I have a sign on my head, like, do you have a food allergy? Come and bother Chef Rossi. So sometimes it's reasonable. Sometimes it's like, oof, difficult. So I had, I've had a couple of people recently 
who had soy allergies. And not like they can't have soy sauce, they can't have soy anything. No soy oil, no soy lecithin. I mean, and this actually shows up everywhere. It turned out that um, the breadcrumbs that we were using in the kitchen, when you looked at the very bottom of the ingredients, was soy lecithin. Turned out that uh, one of our dumpling wrappers, when you looked at the very bottom of the ingredients, it was uh, soy oil. I mean, it was just like kind of down the line, harder to avoid than I thought. So that was challenging. And then recently I had someone who I wanted to take care of because her um, daughter is getting married and I'm catering the wedding and I really like her daughter. And she discovered late in life, I was like, there's such a thing as a late blooming allergy. She discovered late in life that she was allergic to corn. So at first I said, well, that's easy to avoid. We'll make sure not to add corn to the roasted vegetables. We'll make sure not to add corn in the vegetable empanada filling. But no, much more so. No corn oil. Well, not a lot of products that I use have corn oil in it, but you do have to be vigilant. But corn syrup is everywhere. I mean, it turned out to be so annoying. So I'll give you an example. I was going to do my famous grilled shrimp with Creole cocktail sauce. Yeah, baby. I can't say that without doing a little dance. But my Creole cocktail sauce. Basically, I make a classic shrimp cocktail dip, which is ketchup and some lemon and some horseradish and some hot sauce. That's kind of like, you know, the beginning of it. And then I take my deep, funky bourbon molasses barbecue sauce where I'm cooking down molasses and Worcestershire and ketchup and brown sugar and hot sauce and garlic and mustard and ancho and, you know, all kinds of great things. And then I marry the two. as if both of them are great, but I marry the two. So I make it kind of like half bourbon molasses barbecue sauce and half classic shrimp cocktail sauce. And I get this awesome, awesome deep guttural super sexy cocktail sauce that I call my Creole cocktail sauce. But tell you the truth, the only thing Creole about it is that it does have onion and garlic and it does have some Cajun spice, but I'm kind of having a little fun with the word Creole. But in any case, none of that matters because it turns out, guess what has corn syrup in it? Ketchup. That's right, baby. And that is the base of this awesome sauce. So what am I going to do? I want bride's mama to try my Creole cocktail sauce. So I thought about it and I said, you know what? I'm going to make my own sort of ketchup based kind of thing. And I remembered this awesome charred tomato dip that I was doing when I had a Senegalese chef. He told me a spin on an African tomato relish that he used to do. So basically you start by burning everything. Now tomato paste is, you know, whatever. Not so exciting. It's just kind of what you do to it, as far as I'm concerned. But when you burn it, like burn it till it turns purple, burn it, it gets really sexy. So I get a pan and I put a little oil in it and I get it up on a super high heat and I throw in some sliced jalapeno, some sliced, peeled and sliced red onion, some cloves of garlic, and I burn, 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 and I throw in even some red bell pepper. 
burn, burn, burn. So I'm burning my red bell pepper. I'm burning my jalapeno. I'm burning my red onion. I'm burning my garlic. I'm letting it all burn. Then I push the vegetables kind of to the side of the pan. A little more oil in the middle, make a kind of a well. And I put a big plop of tomato paste. And then I burn that. Everyone in the kitchen's coming over. You're burning your sauce. I want it to burn. Bug off. Constantly, every five seconds, you're burning your sauce. Bug off. I want it to burn. So when it's super charred and really burned, you know, like, you know, I'm not like setting off the fire alarm, but I've definitely charred it well. Take it off the flame. Then I put it in my esposa, my food processor, the big one, unless I have a little one, little bit of stuff, then I put it in esposo, the little food processor, my husband. Husband's little wife is big. That's how you know. And I puree, puree, puree. This is all now. This is already on its way to being kind of hot, of course. With the jalapeno and the charred onion, think of all the flavor and the kind of awesome burnt tomato flavor. And then I want to give it something sweet, so I'll give it very often honey, or maple syrup, or molasses, something to sweeten it up and take it in that direction. In this case, I gave it maple syrup and pureed, pureed. And a little bit of salt and a little pepper and a little celery salt. And then I wanted to herb it up a little bit. And so I gave it some fresh thyme and I gave it some cilantro, puree, puree. And then I gave it some fresh, not Tropicana, fresh orange juice. And I pureed, pureed, and I gave it some roasted garlic and pureed, pureed. And I'm telling you, this became the most incredible shrimp dip. You would swear that I had ketchup in there somewhere because of the sweet and the tomato. And just to make it perfect, I gave it a little drizzle of sherry vinegar because it wanted a little acid. And because I am a badass trailer park girl, I gave it some hot sauce. So I gave it a few dashes of Tabasco. Anyway, that became my corn-free awesome shrimp dip, and it was super exciting. And I love the challenge. It got me thinking. I, I really felt sorry for all the people who were allergic to corn. Because that corn syrup showed up showed up everywhere. So then I said, all right, I'm going to make something else. I'm going to make my famous steak and taters, which is a cube of filet mignon. I like bastardizing things. Like what would be wrong to serve with filet mignon tater tots? Because filet mignon is so... Oh, luxurious, darling. And tater tots are soared down in the trailer, you know. The same way I love serving sushi-quality tuna on a ruffles. You know, I like kind of playing with things. So we make our perfect cube of filet mignon. We marinate it in olive oil and garlic, crack, fresh cracked pepper, and we grill it. And after we grill it, we sprinkle it with a little sea salt. Not before. And then... We cook up some tater tots, and we skewer the tater tot and the filet mignon, and that's the hors d'oeuvre, and it gets drizzled with Chef Rossi's famous steak sauce. And my famous steak sauce is my deep dish awesome barbecue sauce. Again, shows up everywhere. Mixed with Worcestershire, and mixed with A1, and mixed with Frank's hot sauce, and mixed with grain mustard, and drizzle, drizzle. Well, it turned out that in my awesome barbecue sauce, remember, was ketchup. So that's the corn syrup. I couldn't do that. And the other problem is it turns out friggin' tater tots in the ingredients. Guess what? Cornstarch. So, oh my God, this was getting harder by the second. 
that meant I couldn't give her the tots with the filet. So I gave her double filet, double cube filet brochette. And I did my burnt sauce, my burnt tomato paste, and my burnt jalapeno, and my burnt garlic, and my burnt everything, like I started with my shrimp sauce. Only I pureed it. And when I pureed it, I also gave it Worcestershire, which had no corn in it, praise the Lord, and Frank's hot sauce, which had no corn in it, and grain mustard, which had no corn in it. And I wound up getting a pretty excellent steak sauce and drizzle, 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 and she was very happy. And everyone else was very happy that I was taking such good care of mom-in-law with the corn allergy. I felt bad for her. I genuinely did because it's hard to go through life. I had a groom one year who was allergic to pepper. I mean, he definitely can't go out to eat anywhere because pepper's in everything. But he wasn't allergic to coriander, so we just covered everything with ground coriander for him, and it worked out. I felt bad for him. And I felt really bad for the lovely mom of the bride who couldn't have the corn, so I really wanted to take care of her. And so then I thought, well, what else can I do to make her happy? Well, we gave, I gave her my famous mac and cheese fritters, which had no corn. And there are some many products that have, could have gone in there that do. But this one, no corn. She was very, very happy. And I went down the line. Everything she couldn't have, I tried to give her a substitute. Anyway, you know, it was very satisfying I guess what I'm going to say is people who have a food allergy, like I am allergic to gluten. I'm, as I say, I'm gluten intolerant. So I don't have celiac disease, which means if I have a piece of pizza, I'm not going to go to the hospital. But if I have a piece of pizza, basically I'm going to blow up like I'm nine months pregnant and I am going to proceed to fart about 50 to 70 times. So besides that, you know, maybe a little bit of coughing and a possible rash. And that's about it. So not so bad when you think about it. I mean, I'm Jewish, so I'm used to that happening. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced that my whole family was probably gluten intolerant because we all would sit down to eat. We all would blow up like we were nine months pregnant and we all would spend the whole rest of the night farting. So I just thought that's just how it is to be Jewish. You know, at this wedding, I just catered the father of the bride let out a loud burp. He just couldn't hold it in. And he turned to me and said, I'm so sorry. And I said, don't worry about it. I'm Jewish. That's like the mating call for us. And everyone laughed. But I wasn't exactly kidding, I'm telling you. I grew up with bodily functions. So how could I know that actually I was gluten intolerant? I thought, I'm Jewish. I'm Ashkenazi. That's what it means to be Ashkenazi. You eat, you bloat, you fart. That's what happens. I realize this is not an elegant conversation, so please do forgive me. But if you know someone who has a food allergy, just be nice to them. You know, they're suffering. And if you go out of your way to do nice things for them, they, it really makes, their, makes them so happy. Like my bride about a month ago, who was seriously allergic to gluten. She, I think she did have celiac. And I made sure she could eat everything on her menu. I served my famous deep dish mac and cheese, and it was gluten-free. She was so happy. Tater tots actually are always good news to the gluten intolerant because even though it turns out the corn allergy folks can't have them, so sorry, but the gluten folks can. So there, what can I say? Anyway, so I was really kind of having an interesting and wonderful experience 
conquering this food allergy thing. And I do like a challenge. I really do. I mean, I've had some hard ones. The guy, the groom who couldn't have the ground pepper, that was hard. And, you know, the soy allergy is hard. But it turns out that the corn allergy is crazy hard. And I started looking through all the ingredients of all the many things I use. And it was just showing up everywhere. Mostly corn syrup is the culprit. But the corn flour and corn starch is another sneaky one. Shows up everywhere. Tater tots. Who knew there was corn and tater tots? I thought it was just taters. What do I know, right? Anyway... She was so happy, and it made me so happy, but I couldn't give her my world-famous Oreo crack, which everyone else got to have but her, because, yup, you got it. There was corn syrup in, or was it corn syrup or corn lecithin, one or the other, or both, in the Oreo, which is the base of my famous Oreo crack. And I can't give you the recipe for my famous Oreo crack, because it's a secret, and you're going to love it. But if you want an Oreo crack, come and visit me in New York City, and I will give you one, and it's going to ruin your life. I always say the first Oreo crack is free, and the second one costs about $30,000. You know what I mean? First time I served it to someone, I gave it to this guy. He went home, and he said he dreamt about it. That's how it got its name, Oreo crack. Originally, I was going to call them Oreogasms, but I think Oreo crack is better. And I'm a multi-crack chef because we also serve matzo crack, which I love. And if you haven't tried it, you're going to love it. And we serve crack balls, which I love. And if you haven't tried it, you're going to love it. So we're a three-crack company. You know what I mean? So I love also adding fun to food. Like one of my favorite things about Oreo crack is at the end of the night, a very sophisticated dinner serving filet mignon and sea bass and fresh herbs and just blah, 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 and orchids and cascading this and that, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm making myself ill. At the very end of the night, I love the waiters going out with big trays of Oreo crack and then coming up to a sophisticated older woman and saying, Oreo crack, ma'am? And she's like, I beg your pardon. Would you like an Oreo crack? You know, It's just... You know what? I got to get my yayas one way or another, don't you? So, how might you like to get your yayas? You know, it's got to be something that just makes you happy. So, I am going to dedicate this show, though, to all the people out there who are dealing with food issues because I understand it's painful. You know, I remember my mother, she got all these coupons. There was a coupon in some free giveaway travel magazine. And it was for a free Big Mac at McDonald's. And so naturally she stole like a hundred of them and cut out the coupons. And so she would drag all of us to McDonald's. We would go in one at a time and the coupon was that you got a free Big Mac. There was no you know, issue. There was no, but you have to also buy this, but you have to do this, but you have to do a dance. You have to sing a song. No, you just get Give them the coupon, you get a free Big Mac. And what was that? Like two whole beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Did I get it right? Oh my God, I feel like I want a prize. Anyway, it's a lot of stuff that goes into the Big Mac. So we would go in and back then there would always be some very frustrated woman and she would be behind the microphone and I, you would give her the coupon. You'd say, I like a 
Big Mac with everything on it. Uh, pickles, lettuce, tomato, onion, cheese, special sauce, you know, on and on and on. Hold the meat. And they almost always would scream, hold the what? I want to have the pickles and the tomato and the onion and the lettuce and cheese and special sauce. Hold the meat. And they would get on the microphone. They'd be, they'd be like, LaCronda, this girl's asking me for a Big Mac. And she wants extra sauce, cheese, lettuce, pickles, onions, everything, everything, everything. Hold the meat. And everyone behind the counter is going, hold the what? And everyone in McDonald's is stopping and looking. Look at that freak girl. Look at that weird girl over there. She just asked for a Big Mac. And she wants everything on it. Hold the meat. I'm telling you. It was mortifying. I had a mortifying childhood. So I was either going to grow up to be a stand-up comedian or a serial killer or a wedding caterer who wrote a couple of books and, you know, has a podcast. So I guess that's what happened. But so it certainly made me feel extra sensitive to people with food issues, you know, because in my house, forget it. But going out, out to get the Big Mac with everything but the meat, I don't know. That was kind of intense. So, and we'd be out to dinner. And my mother would be like, is there any salt in that? Well, of course, everything has salt in it. What are they going to say? You know, go home, leave us alone. Well, she just wouldn't add salt. She just figured, okay, a little salt in it is okay. So my father would just have to deal. I got a feeling the second she turned her back, he was adding salt. And then she'd say, is there any sugar in that? Well, I, what do they know? I mean, we're eating eating at Friendly's. There's probably a sugar and everything. I found out later on that the bun at McDonald's and Burger King and all these places was like half sugar. So my mother ate an awful lot of buns. So, you know, and she was a little bit of a breadaholic, and that's probably how she became diabetic in the first place. So anyway, but I digress. So my point is it made me very nice to people with food issues. And so now, when I finally discovered that I was, we didn't even use the word gluten. I had a doctor tell me I was allergic to wheat. And I thought, well, I don't eat that much wheat. I never eat, you know, whole wheat. And the doctor said, well, what do you eat? And I said, pizza, pasta, sandwiches. He said, that's all wheat. You can't have any bread, any flour, any pizza, any pasta. This was a long time ago. This was... uh more than 30 years ago, and there weren't all these millions of gluten-free substitutes, and I didn't even know that word gluten, so I was like, what? No pizza, no pasta, no bread. Couldn't I just be allergic to sex instead? That would be so much easier. God, it was so depressing. I was having rice rice cakes with peanut butter spread on them. It was pretty much, you know, any excuse to eat peanut butter. I could eat peanut butter on a shoe, but it was really depressing. Now there's a hundred million gluten-free substitutes. As a matter of fact, my gluten-free mac and cheese is every bit as good as my regular mac and cheese. I'm telling you, it's not even one iota percent of a percent of a percent less good. And when I serve it, no one knows it's gluten-free. So nobody's suffering. Nobody's going to suffer on my watch, baby. Anyway, but my point is, if you have a food issue, then you know what I'm talking about, which is life's a little harder. And it's nice when people take a minute to just be nice to you about it. You know, you don't want to go into a restaurant and have someone tell you, no, we can't help you. We don't know what has gluten in it. I mean, so many times I ask 
do you know what's gluten-free? And they're like, what does that mean? Forget it. Forget it. Take my business elsewhere. But now so many people are gluten-free. Probably McDonald's will start having a gluten-free Big Mac or something. Anyway, but I still won't be eating it because my mother will get mad at me. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, for raging and eating. And as always, food is love and so are you. And if you're allergic to corn, shoot me an email and I'll give you the recipe for my gorgeous fake ketchup, homemade sort of ketchupy shrimp dip and steak sauce that I just told you about. And if you're allergic to anything, you know, just, I'm sorry, but it's easier now. And you can always move to California. Everyone's allergic to everything in California. Anyway, as always, food is love and so are you.